Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 104 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk all about running etiquette. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners welcome to episode 104 and this is the season finale of season two we're gonna go into a one week break which means it's not a break <laughs> we're not getting a break we're a weekly podcast my name is letty and i'm here with ryan my husband and we talk about all things running we bring the experts to you. We don't pretend to be them. Big difference. So we have experts. We bring on running training, nutrition. We have people that have stories to share and uh, just try to be inspirational. I'm inspired. I hope you are. And I hope you listeners are too. We want to thank you guys for tuning in over and over. And if you're new, welcome. We're going to try to make this one extra fun. So Ryan, runner's etiquette, what do you think of when you hear those words? Um, don't hit your neighbor while you're running. Okay, well, good news is I printed out some topics that we can dive right into today. Um, I think we have about eight or nine topics. And which one should we start with? Um, so you're pointing at traffic safety. So I guess that's what you want to start with. <laughs> so maybe we should define runner's etiquette. So Runner's etiquette is how you should behave when you run, what is acceptable to do and not to do as a runner. And included is how to be safe. Yes. Number one, traffic safety. So we're going to mention a few of the traffic safety rules or basic things that runners should know before they go out on the road. So number one thing is run against traffic. So yes, I guess... I mean, is it is it technically you're supposed to run against traffic? I think that's because you generally bike with traffic, although I personally like to see the traffic better. So people from other countries should probably check their local laws to make sure that the recommendations are the same because you looked up United States, right? Yes. It does make sense because you can see where I like it better when I'm facing something coming at me so I can see. But anyway, so number two is cross at the crosswalks so that reminds me of an old game frogger it's like an old arcade game um and what you used to do is you you were a frog and you had to jump in between the cars to cross the street and the cars were moving across while you were doing so and if you were good you could avoid all the cars and get all the <laughs> gaps and make it across the street if you're not good you die oh let's not play froggers so everyone should play frogger if they haven't <laughs> but not in real life. Just but in on, real life. In arcade games. Go to the crosswalks. Yes, yes. Okay. And just as a blanket statement, all of these are just recommendations. You should always check your local laws. 
Yes, and do not sue us. Anyway, so so I'm moving on to the next one. When you cross the street, wait for the drivers to see you before you proceed through cross the street. Uh, I see that a lot, actually, and you and I always point that out together when some people just start walking across the street when their light turns green or if a car is stopped without really looking if looking around and seeing did traffic actually stop. I mean, you're responsible for your own life. And not the driver. So yes, you can sue them afterwards and say he hit me when he should have stopped. But in reality, you want to keep your legs, you want to keep running. So just make sure that you maybe make eye contact with the driver and turn your head and look around if there's traffic maybe turning where you're going. You can't benefit from a lawsuit if you're dead. You really can't, but your family might. Yeah. So next one is wear bright colored or reflective clothing so that drivers can see you at night and even during the day. Yes, and that kind of goes with the previous one. You're responsible for your own life. Um, you're not just being courteous to drivers to not make them hit you, but you know, you're just watching out for yourself. Um, common sense stuff, right? Yeah, if you ever do drive around, like look for people with those like orange vests. Not that you have to wear an orange vest when you run, but you know, bright colored clothes. Like you can see them noticeably better when you're driving than someone that's like blending in with the background. Yes, absolutely. Another one that is or has to do with, you know, traffic safety is when you're passing a runner, you want to say to your left or you want to yell that so they can hear you. Just one, to make sure that you have enough space to pass and two, also not to startle them because myself as a woman, it happens sometimes that somebody just runs by you and you kind of get jumpy. Um, another thing also important is to wear headphones that are, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to rephrase that. <laughs> another one that's important is that if you wear headphones, either just wear one headbutt or, you know, one of those, uh, bone conducting ones where you can still hear stuff around you. Or if you just wear two anyway, then have the volume low enough to hear communication from other runners or traffic. I can't tell you how many times I run by people and I actually yell, on your left, and when I pass them, I still startle them because they're wearing headphones. Yeah, I think you alluded to it quickly, but like wearing one headphone is actually kind of nice because you can still hear the music and you hear stuff outside. Obviously, your music's not going to be as great, but it might save your life. It might save your life. That's right. So um, another topic, safety in general. Tell someone when and where you'll be running and when you'll be back just so... In case something happens to you, people should know. I think we do that to each other. Well, you not so much, but you're also a guy. But you kind of know when I go running and about where, right, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It would be hard to do anything when I don't know exactly where you are. But at least it gives me somewhere to start if anything were to happen. Yeah, I mean, most of the time you're sleeping when I'm running, <laughs> so yeah. it's not much help. But we also track each other on our iPhones, so we know where we are. If I want to find you, I can just click on it and see about where you are, and I'm hoping that if if I don't return, you're smart enough to do the same. <laughs> <laughs> so next is? Next is when you run on trails. So running on trails... It depends on what trail you're running. Usually, some, or not usually, some trails designate which way to go on a trail. 
But normally, if you're on a trail, you go with the flow. You don't go against traffic, so to speak. You are traffic. There's some basic courteous behavior of what to do. And I guess this is kind of getting to the meat of the running etiquette. Um, make sure that when you have to spit, move your head to the side and spit to the side. Or don't spit. Or don't spit. But sometimes you get a little flim going on. You got to get rid of that. Another thing is uh, not littering. So for those of us that carry our goose or Morton gels or whatever we have, our water bottles, if they're empty, put them back where you took them out of. If you keep them in your sports bra to get back up in there, if you have pockets, just put it back in there. And then, uh, you know, if you find a trash can, get rid of it there. Another thing is if you have to pee. A lot of us runners drink a ton of water during the day and sometimes duty calls. So what do you do when you have to go? You find a bathroom. What if there's no bathroom? You pee in the bush. Yep. But you, gotta just, you just got to make sure that the bush is not in someone's front yard, right? Well, you shouldn't be peeing. I mean, the parent, I think technically peeing outside is probably illegal because it's indecent exposure and other stuff, but... Find your own way to pee safely, I guess, would be the right answer. So what's next? So next one is don't hog the water. So if you're running in a group and you get to a water fountain, what do you not do? Drink it dry. Drink. Don't drink it dry. Give other people a chance. You can always get a second turn. But yeah, that's kind of nice. And another big one is, let's talk about runner friendliness. There's a lot of information out on the internet or a lot of questions asked as to what do you do when you see other runners? Are you supposed to say hi? Are you supposed to wave? Are you supposed to, what are you supposed to do? I think it depends on your environment. You know, if you're in a marathon and you're trying to say hi to everyone, that would be very difficult. Well, you wouldn't really do that in a marathon because you're not running, you know, they're not running into you, hopefully. <laughs> I'm talking like on your daily run when you're running on a street and somebody crosses your path. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it kind of, it's environmentally dependent, you know, in your area. I think it's always, you know, it, it, the best would be always to say hello or to give a nod or something, I think, if, if possible, because it's being friendly and it maybe makes someone stay. But... It also really depends on your environment. Yeah. So but I would err, always err on the side. Sorry to interrupt. I would always err on the side of being friendly. So yeah, I would smile, nod, say hi. I usually smile. Do you? Yeah. I don't smile as much as you though. You're, you've got a huge smile all the time. But it's nice because then people are smile back, right? Uh, no, um, not really. <laughs> well, maybe you make their day at least. I can't not smile. This is my face. You're like, you're like I, I'm not smiling. I just can't close my lips. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah. And another thing is if you see a runner that's struggling, probably stop and just ask if they're okay. I've done that plenty of times. Sometimes people get dizzy and you never know. Maybe they're having a bad day and uh, you can help them. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. So next, group runs. Yeah, so when you're running with a group, then first of all, don't abandon anyone. What do you do when somebody is running late for your group runs? When you have a seven o'clock group run scheduled and you've got about 10 people coming, how long are you supposed to wait? No, good. I don't know. It depends on your run, I guess. If you're running like for an hour, you might give a little bit more time. If you're doing like a 10 minute run, I don't think you'd wait much. Yeah. More than five minutes. 
I mean, I think with that, it's kind of just setting the expectations of the group members. So if you send out a message or a reminder or whatever the night before, just say, hey, please be on time. Um, you know me, I'm German. And I'm very much, um, when somebody runs late, I kind of feel disrespected in a way. And I feel like if you have a group, some people have things to do. So it's not really nice to be late for those. I would say give it five minutes and then start running. And, um, you know, let your people know beforehand, hey, we're going to go this route. And if you want to, you can catch up. I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, from the runs that we've done, I would probably say sometimes it might be closer to 15 minutes before everyone gets going. But but yeah, I think um, a courteous time period would be like five minutes because that doesn't really usually interfere too much with any anything. Yeah, but if you're talking about 15 minutes, that's more than a mile for... For a person that may have gotten up extra early and has stuff going on at home, so that makes it harder for them. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. So then when you're running in a group, um, also we're talking about chatting during a run. Make sure that everybody is on board with the type of run that you're doing. For example, my Sunday runs would be the runs where I really try to push myself, which means I'm not running at a pace where I really want to chat. Whereas other people, for them, it's their slow run and they will chat. So just let people know that you're running with, hey, I'm going to try to push myself today. I'm going to be listening to music. I'm not going to really talk. I think it's always nice to be bold and upfront about it because that way you kind of avoid the the situation where you have to tell people, hey, please stop talking to me, or you have to listen to something and, and then talk back. One thing I liked with the LA runs that we did is we would always like run for a bit and then the faster people would kind of wait up for everyone to catch up and then we'd do that in like little phases as you go forward and that gave you a time to set stop and chat for a bit too. I think that every place is different, but that was kind of pleasant. So if you haven't tried that in your group, Maybe you should, because it is kind of fun. Because then everyone kind of meets in together, they chat, and they move on again. Meets in together, chat. At least if you're not trying to do it for a specific training program. But at the same time, don't stop and chat for too long. Yeah, then you can cool down. Okay, next thing to consider when you're running in a group is not to take up the whole path or space that you're in. Yeah, so that way other people... Again, this kind of goes with being courteous. Other people can pass you. You have enough room for pedestrians or bicyclists to go by without thinking it's uh, it's your your path only. All right, next. So next is track. So there's a couple of things when it comes to track. When you're running on a track, you want to run counterclock when you're running your speed work. And if you're one, if you're running uh, to warm up, you run with the clock. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that I didn't until know that I did it wrong with did Ron. Ron tell you? Yes. So he's he's experienced. So mm-hmm. he should he probably knows what he's talking about. Then also the outside lanes are. I mean, I'm sorry. The inside lanes are the for the faster people, and if you are faster than the faster people and you need them to move, you call out track track so then they'll move to the outside lanes for you when you're passing them you're supposed to pass on the inside so whoever's fastest runs on the inside of the track yeah that makes sense yeah so that's what i have for track and then let's talk about race etiquette 
Well, your bib number as directed. Oh. Um, most races require you for the bib number to be in the example they showed for you to wear on the shirt. But some people, including me, like wearing them on our shorts because sometimes we lose our shirts. Yeah, do they actually like specifically want you not to wear i never wear i I half the time don't wear a shirt so i typically always wear it on my shorts kind of funky but they actually tell you you're supposed to wear it on the front of your shirt they want you to do that no i mean i haven't had a race yet that tells you that but i think that's where most people wear it because they wear singlets um um, another one is to choose your corral wisely and um by that i mean just be conscious of what your speed is going to be i know we all want to run faster than we maybe will but just be realistic and then that way you're not blocking faster runners from taking lead um slower runners are always supposed to be towards the back of the corral so maybe you can educate people about this that don't have not ran marathons or don't have experience in it like what do you mean by the corrals and then also like does that correspond with your bib number yeah, so for the bigger races, when you fill out your application or your entry for the marathon, you put an approximate time that you plan on finishing your race. So according to that, you will be placed in a corral, depending on the size of the race, A, B, C, D, E, whatever. And then you go into that corral only. Um, some races require you to submit proof that you can actually run the time that you're indicating that you can by posting a link to a previous race that you've done. But again, those are just kind of the, the bigger races. I know, unfortunately, there's always people that are trying to get into the faster corrals. Um, unfortunately, that you know, it does cause some kind of burden to to the people that are trying to run it faster if you're blocking them from running. Definitely. So? So let's talk about throwaway clothes. A lot of us use throwaway clothes, meaning we're going to a race where the temperature is a little bit colder and we layer up in clothing that we plan on not wearing while we run. So basically we just want to stay warm until the marathon starts. And what happens a lot of times when you walk towards the starting line, people take their clothes off and they just throw them. I've uh, been, I've been a, reci a recipient of a shirt on my head before. <laughs> so what you're supposed to do is you go to the right side or the left side and you just drop the clothing there or indicated bins that they have, and then they'll be collected and donated. So don't just throw your clothes because people will either get them in their face or they will trip over them. What if you are just starting the race and you have to pee? Then you wait till you find a porta potty. What if the race just starts and you look down and you forgot to tie your shoe? Then you move to the side and get out of the way because people cannot see you. Um, and that goes with basically anything. If something is on the way or if there's an obstruction that you see, you know the people behind you can't see it. So raise your hand and signal with your hand that there's something there. I do that when I see a bump in the road or what do you call those things? Um, speed bumps? No, not speed bumps. The opposite. Bump speeds? <laughs> no. Like when there's a hole in the road. <laughs> Bottles? A pothole. Yeah, if there's a pothole, I lift my arm and I, you know, point my finger down so people don't trip over that because you don't want other runners to get hurt. What if you're super thirsty and you 
need to stop and get some water at the water table. Well, first of all, you're not just supposed to abruptly stop, right? No. Unless you raise both your hands and get out of the way of the runners. But if you see a water table, just kind of be conscious of other runners. Um, yes, if you're in front of other runners, you have the right of way. But make sure that you're not speeding up and then braking, kind of like some people do when they're driving cars in traffic and then abruptly stop to get your water. Just kind of be patient. Maybe this water station won't work out for you and you'll wait till the next one. But don't stop and be an obstruction. That's just annoying. <laughs> so what if you want to cut the corners in the race? You can do that. But you should follow the etiquette as the same as the track. Same as a track. If you're faster, then go ahead and do it. Slower runners should kind of stay outside of the tangents a little bit more. If you see someone rushing by, then just let them have the right away in that sense. Um, so technically, tangent would be tangent to the apex of the corner in that case. Whatever that means, yes. It sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know that you should run the tangents until literally maybe, I don't know, a few months ago when my running coach was mentioning... You know, I was showing him that my race course was much longer and he was like, did you cut the tangents right? And I said, what do you mean? Did I cut the tangents right? And he's like, well, you know, you want to take the path that is the shortest. So in in a lot of the big races, there is actually a blue or green line painted onto the uh, onto the ground that you can follow. Did you know that? No, I didn't actually. Yeah, so they do that for the for the major ma major marathons. They had one in Paris, and if you follow that, then you're closest to the actual twenty six point two miles, and not end up with um. I've had twenty seven point five before. Well, you could cut the insides of it, and maybe cut it down a little bit too, even. Yeah, you could if you if you know how to do that. Then you know. Run the tangents. Yeah. Be yeah. a race car driver. If you're a race car driver turned runner, then you're probably really good at that. So, Ryan, maybe you can explain to, to me <laughs> and maybe some other listeners how to best cut these tangents so that we can end up with exactly 26.2 and not more. So, basically, I think the easiest way to think about it is finding the path through the race course that is the shortest distance and the smoothest. So, if you have a turn coming up, like, say, a left-hand turn, basically what you do is you cut that inside corner as close as you can to the corner And then if the next turn is a right side turn, then you gradually work your way over to the opposite side of the race course in order to cut the next turn at the shortest possible. But in doing so, there's obviously other people around. So it goes back to what we were saying before on the track is that you want to save the fastest runner's space in the middle and the slowest runner's space then goes to the outside of the turn. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've never, I've never really paid attention to it until... The last few marathons that were the big world major marathons, and I know that Berlin had a painted line on the ground, and so did Paris. And But I guess I'm assuming the people that were ahead of us that were really competing, competing, they followed that more closely than the bulk of, of the runners that I ran with because we were just kind of barely noticing that line and I didn't really see anyone following it when I tried to follow it I almost got run over <laughs> so. I mean yeah generally people do it naturally I mean obviously you don't come off to a left hand turn and say run and then all of a sudden make a 90 degree sharp turn and then keep running another direction like so people naturally have to take the turn but it's it's I guess the best example is race car drivers if you look at a race car track like an indie track or something that has turns that you would 
watch them and they always cut the corners because they're trying to maintain the highest speed and and the smoothest through the corners so that they can get through the track the fastest. And the same applies for running, although differences are more minute because you're moving much slower, but it really would, over time, make it faster if you can do that. Smooth is also good. It's not even just the shortest, but also smooth because if you're running in a straight line and making a directional change, changing the force in a different direction, your body and your mass into a different direction requires energy and more energy than if you were just to do it smoothly and in a small, you know, in a more gentler fashion, I guess. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We'll we'll have to try that next time. Um, So just to sum it up, it's kind of like you said, it's kind of the same rules that apply to when you're running on a track, have the faster people have the right away of, of running those tangents. If you're a little bit slower, just give them, um, give them that space. So another thing that we have on here is what happens when you get to the finish line? We're exhausted and all we want to do is just throw our hands up and then fall into the ground and stop. Do we do that? Yes. No. No. I mean, sorry. We don't do that because we, again, don't want other runners um, to run over us because they can get injured, we can get injured. So normally you want to move through it quickly and normally the volunteers will encourage you to keep moving too. They'll either kind of grab you by the shoulder and move you to the medical tent or (laughs) move you towards the area of food and finish your metal and water. So typically you don't want to just abruptly stop running for your health anyway. It's better to walk it off a little bit. Oh yeah. But that's kind of hard to, to do when you're done and you're tired and exhausted. You're not going to think about a warm down. Cool down. Yes. We call it warm down. Why? The cool people call it warm down, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so what else? You have some weird ones here too. I have some weird ones um, that I'm more kind of, uh, you know, to each its own. So, you know, the Boston Marathon is like this big deal. Yeah. So when people sign up for the Boston Marathon, they want to wear the Boston jacket because the Boston jacket shows that you qualified for this race and that you've truly made it in running and you want to wear that jacket. So then there's a split opinion on this. Um, uh, Some people say do not wear your Boston jacket until you've finished the Boston Marathon because it's a finisher jacket. I say wear it when you get cold because it's a jacket. I say wear it when you qualify. <laughs> I mean, I've had my Boston jacket. Um, I actually... You bought like a different year even though. I bought the year that year. I qualified in. Cause Did you? I qualified for my first Boston in 2019. And I bought the jacket from that year because I like the colors. It was that blue and yellow, the typical colors. So that's why you say you could do it as you qualify and not as you run it. Because that's what you did. No, I also think it's kind of... You know, you go to Boston and it's mixed because you see a lot of people at the Boston Marathon or prior to the Boston Marathon running around in that new Boston jacket. And then you see a lot of people wearing the previous year jacket. So it makes you wonder, do the people that have the previous year jacket just wear that because they don't want to wear the new Boston jacket yet? Or do they just not want to get it? So um, there's a lot of opinions on that. Uh, but again, you know, there's no set rule. Just wear whatever you want. And if you want to buy one from a different year, then I say, hey, why not? So the next one is talking about pacing and timing. So when you first meet someone, you should always start the conversation with your times. 
not. Um, you know, it's kind of like when, so I guess the question is, when do you talk about pacing and time? Um, I know there's a lot of people that don't like saying what their marathon time is because I see it when they post about the marathon. They tell you everything about the marathon and what happened, but they don't put the time down. So what do you think about that, Ryan? I'm, I think it's something you just have to feel out, you know, when it's appropriate. I, I, I'm a personal, like, believer. I just like to be humble about stuff. So I don't like bragging or saying anything like that. So to me personally, unless someone asks me, I'm not going to tell you anything. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of like with grades when, when we were back in school, um, you don't really share your grades with everybody, but then maybe with your close people, maybe the people that know how hard you worked and, and what you struggled with, or if you had a certain goal and you put that out there and you didn't reach it, like I kind of did with my last marathon in Paris where we had a little bet going on about what pace I would run and then it didn't work. You just have to make sure you have thick skin and What's it that? doesn't really offend you if people talk badly about it. Personally, I just do it when... You know, if it comes up in conversation, if someone asks me, otherwise I'm probably not going to say anything. I feel like the running community is mostly supportive and wants to be inclusive. And so then I guess if you don't hear anyone else talking about the pace, a lot of the time pace doesn't really matter. It's just the fact that we are all here and we're running and we're doing it. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that you're, for the most part, not competing with other people. You're competing with yourself. That caveat being that the elite runners are competing against other people. So it's a little different for them, but for like the vast majority of us, there's just so many runners. You're kind of just competing with yourself. Yeah. And, and you totally are because especially when it comes to the marathon distance, the, the way that your finishing time is reflective of exactly, um, not exactly, but it's reflective of the training you put in and, and all that. So if you're not training for a marathon because of an injury or whatever you had going on, and then another year you are, your times could be completely different. So it, it doesn't really matter anyway. So next. So the last thing that we're going to talk about is chatting during a run. Um, and I think we kind of talked about that earlier a little bit. When is it okay to chat and when is it not okay to chat? Um, I think it really depends on who you're running with a lot. And I like chatting because it makes it, the time go by quicker and I'm not really there trying to get a record pace or anything but some people I'm sure would not enjoy it if you're trying to talk to them and they're trying to train at a certain pace or level where it makes it difficult them for them to talk back so yeah and uh hopefully they'll drop subtle hints as in telling you hey Ryan I'm gonna put my headphones in or Hey, I'm trying to take this more serious right now for this session. But again, at the same time, if you're meeting up with a person, you probably know what to expect, right? Because you don't run with all your friends. You have kind of the certain friends you run certain runs with. And better yet, I think we should probably use more of this, but just ask. You know, a lot of people don't ask and they don't know. And that's, that could apply to anything rather than just running. But say, you know, if you're friends with somebody, you run with them often or so, say, you know, do you enjoy chatting or do you want me to not talk as much or do you want to talk some more? And that way you guys have a good understanding of expectations during your run. Yep. And like you said, that uh, applies to all things in life, right? Kind of does. 
it's nice to uh just sometimes say what it is that you want and what you don't want and then that way nobody has to guess so exactly yeah so I think that's all I have. Um, anything else that you can think of that is a uh, really important running etiquette that you should or should not do? Oh, I'm probably forgetting something. I actually just went off of your outline, so I didn't even think about it much. But we're probably forgetting something, I'm sure. Oh, I know one. Polyester shirts. Some people should wear them. Some people should not wear them. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Personal hygiene should be part of race etiquette. Yes. Or running etiquette, I think. Attend to your own personal hygiene as to not offend others. You know, do a smell check on yourself. Let your body breathe. <laughs> yeah. Speaking about sweating, when you're done running, don't just sit in someone else's car. Don't just get in there. And no, at the end of every race, you should make sure you hug every one of your group members. <laughs> You know, those are actually not that bad. Like, people do that a lot. And <laughs> we're kind of expecting it. But I feel like if you're getting into someone's vehicle, it makes it just worse because you're leaving a big sweat stain. Yeah, in general, be conscious of of stuff like that when you're finished running. Like, maybe a fist pump and a, and you ride your own car. Or bring a towel. Bring a towel. Bring a towel is important. Um, maybe even bring a change oh, of Oh, you got a great story about that. You got to tell your story. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. <laughs> so your, um, I say your observation level is on the lower side compared to mine, right? I don't, your I don't skills like where of this is going. <laughs> so when you went running one time and you were all sweaty, and you went to go jump back in your car. Oh yeah. So I, I unlocked it. It beeped. I opened the car. I get into the car. You sat down. Sit down. I'm about to insert the key. All sweaty. Because it's my own car and there's a towel, you know, normally on my seat. The next thing I know is my sense of smell is like, whoa, Letty, <laughs> this is not your car. <laughs> this smells like new car. It smells like leather. And then I realized I'm sitting in somebody else's car. So so the, basically my car was right next to it. So when my car unlocked, it made that beeping sound. And whoever had that white Lexus had not locked their doors so i'd gotten into their car and got it all sweaty and just to be clear do you own a lexus no i own a rav4 <laughs> so i guess it is the same brand but it's not the same car it's the and same also color. <laughs> for the record do you own leather seats i don't own leather seats so you I have a rav4 toyota with cloth seats that are gray <laughs> yeah but you managed to get into a lexus was it the same color the outside color was the same, yes. Okay, of so you went you, you ended up getting into a Lexus of the same color with leather seats. That were tan. <laughs> and they were different color. Yeah, you know what the funny thing is that really it, it was a sense of smell that made me realize And not until you smelled the car did you realize you were not in the right car. <laughs> yep, that's how it happens. And then of course I just got out of the car and I, you know, ran away into my car. I didn't even clean up the car seats or anything. You're but, you know, people should really lock their cars <laughs> so you don't get sweaty runners in them. <laughs> so don't jump into random cars after you've been running. Part that's, of etiquette. That's part of etiquette. And if you do, then, you know, try to clean up. And I did that one wrong. For more great stories of Letty's adventures, uh, tune in next week. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to leave it at that? You want to um, uh, close out the podcast? Any other? Uh, I'm sure we're forgetting something. So if people want to mention things, you know, they should do it. 
Yes, send us a message. Uh, we're on Instagram. We are on... Are we on Facebook? I think we're on Facebook. And uh, yeah, so until next week when we have the first episode of season three. Happy running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.